What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farbaud Essenshire from Sports Illustrated. This podcast is being brought to you by Bet Online and Blue Wire. So, Farba, there was an article on Wednesday, courtesy of the Athletic, courtesy of Sam Amick at the Athletic, I should say. And in there, basically, it's an anonymous NBA poll. Here's the here's the headline: Anonymous NBA poll. GMs reveal their concerns about the Orlando plan, and there is some interesting stuff in here. However, one of the most, I guess, eye catching paragraphs if you are a Clippers fan is kind of early on in this article Amick is talking about how uh quote no one wants to preemptively predict the worst possible outcome here but common sense dictates that at least a few players will be tempted to find a way around these restrictions the next paragraph after that if you are a Clippers fan mentions something kind of interesting to you which is quote sources say the Clippers have been the most vocal when it comes to pushing for more family and friends to be allowed earlier in the timeline with their routinely stated hope via weekly calls between the NBA and front office executives that the league will eventually allow at least one family member or friend to join players at the start of the first round, end quote. But the next line has a quote from a rival GM, and here's the quote from the rival GM, quote, they're fighting for that. Amit goes on to say they're certainly not alone in fighting for that. The current plan is to allow teams to reserve an additional hotel room for each player on their roster after the first round up to 17. This will be for family and friends who come who come into the bubble uh, after the first round of the postseason. But according to Amit's reporting here, Farbad, the Clippers want at least one family and friend to be present even in the first round. And the reason I bring this up is because when I tweeted this out last night, granted it was about 8.30 last night uh, on Wednesday night when I tweeted this out, the little snippet, Clint Parks, who is the trainer of Kawhi Leonard, and uh, some people might also know him as the trainer of Kyle Kuzma, but most notably Kawhi Leonard, he said, this is, he quote tweeted that and said, yup, need Uncle Dennis courtside talking that talk like he was when Kawhi was dogging the Warriors at Oracle in the finals. So... My question to you, do you think the Clippers would fight this hard over an Uncle Dennis thing to appease Kawhi Leonard? I think they're going to fight pretty hard. Um, 
it's when you see what the Clippers have done for Kawhi Leonard, whether it's like, hey, let's let him get interviewed an hour and a half later, and it's it's the things that they're doing for Kawhi Leonard are kind of insane. So I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to move heaven and earth to make sure this happens before it says no. I don't think people understand how much behind the scenes the Clippers have done to placate to Kawhi Leonard and his needs and his mannerisms and things like that. Like, as you said, he's usually always the last one out and he takes a f- t- like an immense amount of time to come out of the locker room to talk to reporters back when reporters were actually allowed to be at games, which probably won't happen if the NBA season resumes in a bubble. I don't know if that'll happen uh, in terms of reporters being there like up close, but um, they've gone out of their way. Like there's stuff that you and I know where like they've done things that you're like, wow, like, all right. And if this is them doing that, I hope there's a better reason than just to, you know, appease Kawhi Leonard and his, and his wants and needs, even during the middle of a pandemic, because I'd rather you be safer than sorry. But as Amy goes on to say far, like they're not certain, they're certainly not alone. Well, it's interesting. Everybody, there's been so many rumors during this whole thing of what people are pushing, what people are trying and I, I saw something that was interesting where um, I know for a fact that Clippers have sent a bunch of workout equipment to all the players. And then Paul George, I guess, may have accidentally leaked that Bomber gave them basketball hoops, too, and gave everybody basketball hoops to practice on, which you're not allowed to publicly say. And then there was also the uh, Bill Simmons rumor when he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast that supposedly there's a rumor that the Lakers have been playing on a, there's a season ticket holder for the Lakers that has a full on replica of Staples Center's basketball court inside of his mansion. And that the Lakers have been practicing on that this whole time, like low key. And that's something JJ Reddick said he, he confirmed that he's heard about, but he doesn't know if it's true. So this whole, this whole last three months just has so much, enigma and so much like i wonder if that's true i wonder who's pushing the just attached to it where i'm like i wouldn't be surprised if everything has been pitched out by these two teams yeah you know it's funny because like the basketball hoop thing came up yesterday paul george was on the podcast and he mentioned you know steve bomber sent us all basketball hoops and that's not allowed under the collective bargaining agreement that is not allowed i also don't care i honestly i just don't care that is like as would you rank everything that would be absurd to find a team over that would be near the bottom of the list? Like it's dumb, especially because it's keeping them at home. Yeah. I mean, I think at that time too, is when everybody was actually staying home. So I don't think it's such a weird inverse situation because in March, everyone in LA was at home when in retrospect, there was so few cases you kind of were okay and now there's an insane amount of cases and everyone's not at home it's like flipped speaking of people who will stay at home here's a list of the four players that we know of that have opted to stay home when the orlando bubble does resume trevor ariza davis bertans avery bradley willie collie stein those are the four. I kind of like how we've only gotten to C in the alphabet for last names, but there's already four players. So I wonder if they're just going to be leaked alphabetically from here on out. However, it's really interesting because we also learned several players that have tested positive. 
Yesterday, Wednesday, we learned three Sacramento Kings tested positive. Buddy Heald, which I will get to in one moment. Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker. Oddly enough, this is kind of fun. Not funny, but Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker, if people remember, yes, they are on the Sacramento Kings because in February, prior to the trade deadline, the Sacramento Kings and Atlanta Hawks completed a trade. Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker, both former top five picks, were traded for uh, Dwayne Dedman, who then went back to Atlanta. Len and Jabari Parker go to Sacramento, both get tested positive for COVID. Far out, that might be like the worst two, or I almost said two months. Because every, you know what's, you know why I said two months? Because I feel like we're still in March. I wonder if Trey Young got them sick when he went to that Oklahoma City thing. So let's talk about that. Trey Young and Buddy Heald, roughly 13 days ago, in Oklahoma, in a packed gym with no masks, held an open gym run. I think it's pretty safe to say that's probably where Buddy Heald contracted COVID. But to be honest, though, they're and I've seen a couple people take this position like they're expecting everybody to pop up positive right now because I don't I think a lot of these guys weren't taking it seriously to begin with. And so you're just going to get a lot of positives right now. And then they're not going to the bubble yet. There's still you still have a couple weeks until then. It's if you get positives in there that the freak out button is going to get hit. But right now I think they're just expecting it. And then they want those guys to at least pop up positive, start quarantining and get to the bubble. But I wouldn't necessarily put any of these. I wouldn't put any of these kind of, it's not the same thing as like WWE wrestlers testing positive right now, because they're in action and in work and there's no bubble. There's no like, Oh, once we get to here, everything's going to be okay. I think if the players were testing positive and there was no plan of action to get them to a safe spot three weeks from now, two weeks from now, then you'd be, then it's like freak out mode. But until then, until there's, if this same exact situation were to happen three weeks from now, then it's, then I would think it's time to panic. I think for me personally, I think the one thing I keep coming back to is we have no idea what the long-term health ramifications are of even just contracting it and being asymptomatic. Because yeah, that's true, but those guys were going to get it anyway. They're not taking it seriously, like regardless of coming back or not. Like you had Trey no, Young. I, I didn't care. I get that. Basketball. I get that. I, I, I understand that. I keep just coming back to medical wise. We don't know what this will do to their lungs, other organs, muscles. We don't know if in six months... Even if they were asymptomatic, if they're just not going to have full lung uh, capability and capacity anymore, like we don't know. And I like the cavalier nature in which first off, and I don't want to get up on a soapbox, but I'm going to do it anyways, because we got time, I guess the cavalier nature in which both local and federal government handed handled everything is part of why we are where we're at right now. And part of, and partly also the cavalier attitude of people in general, including elite level athletes, including NBA athletes, because when I see Buddy Heel go to a packed gymnasium with no masks and all this stuff going on, I can't help but just feel like I know he's not alone. And I think that's what's rather infuriating for me. Yeah, I mean, there's that aspect, but then for me, I, I I would be willing to admit nine, 98%, 95%, if they don't screw up what they have planned, 
as a human being, I would rather be in that bubble than anywhere else in terms of safety, in terms of like not catching the virus and being able to live a normal life. If if I could afford it. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford it right now. I'm just going to say that. Um, the other, I guess, slightly big news of positive tests for coronavirus in the NBA. Nikola Jokic, Denver Nuggets star center, tested positive. I will give the caveat of this. That is not shocking because he spent time in Serbia next to Novak Djokovic, who also went out to, to clubs in Serbia and partied like a madman and is an anti-vaxxer and just doesn't believe the virus is a big deal. So it's not a shock that Nikola Jokic contracted it. I hope he's going to be okay. It sounds like he might, but hey, he also tested positive. So when you actually break it down, he so, he so far is the most high-profile NBA player that has tested positive. Am I wrong? Uh, Kevin Durant. Ke- oh, that's right. Yeah, Kevin Durant did test positive. But in terms of, I guess I should say active then, like active players. Yeah, I think out of everybody right now, prob- probably him. I mean, I think you should expect to see at least like 30 more. 30 or 40 more. And honestly, I'm going to, I feel awful for the Toronto Raptors. They have to go to Orlando first and they already got there. Like that's like ridiculous. They couldn't even stay home. Yeah. I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to leave Canada. <laughs> I would have rather, you know, what's funny is the NBA should have just went up there. Yeah. They probably should have just found a place in Canada. July 1st is the deadline for players to opt out of the NBA campus. Speaking in terms of related to the Clippers, according to Andrew Greif of the LA Times, Clippers guard Lou Williams, who did last week say that he was, quote, 50-50 on whether he was going to participate in the Orlando bubble, is still mulling his decision, his agent Walter Prather said Wednesday. This is according to Andrew Greif in the LA Times. Quote, Williams was not required to make a decision by Wednesday either because the, quote, excused designation, which applies to those considered a higher risk for severe illness from COVID, didn't apply in his case. Farbot, I know we've kind of talked about, like, which Clippers might decide not to go. I'm going to be honest. I would not be shocked if Lou just decided to, to not go, and I would be 100% okay with that. Uh, I, I'm, i like, 80% sure he's going to play. Uh, I think he's just trying to... His bigger thing is the social justice part. I don't think it's about the okay. virus with him. And I'm glad you brought that up. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm glad you brought that up because out of all the people, he's the one guy I've seen who's maintained that stance. Yeah, so I think he's just trying to push the NBA into doing something. Like, he's just trying to... He already suggested maybe we should have Black Lives Matter on our jerseys, on the court, on our patches. He's been trying to push that uh, a lot. So... I think his goal is just to at least put some pressure and make something tangible happen. But at the end of the day, he said it's going to be a collective thing on what he decides. And I think he knows like his reason to not play is that if he plays, it'll distract people from protesting and watching TV or it'll it'll distract people from paying attention to news and watch TV. But he also understands because it's a collective idea that if his whole team plays and he doesn't play, it makes no difference in the grand scheme of things of being a distraction that his whole team would have to not play, which I don't think is going to happen. So I really think he's just trying to pressure them, but it's, it's also interesting. The Clippers just started their COVID testing, which I had confirmed to me by someone in the organization uh, on Tuesday. And all these guys are getting retested now. Um, And they're going to test every single player every other day until they go to Orlando. 
There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all of UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So... Paul George was on the Knuckleheads podcast with Darius, former Clippers, Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson. Uh, I really like that podcast, by the way. uh, Well, you know, you know what I was going to end up saying is major respect to those guys. They're icons in several different ways now for Clipper fans. Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it, they created an entire aura of Clippers basketball when they were in their early twenties, late night, or they were like 19, 20, 21 years old. And now they've just kind of recaptured that with a podcast because you know what? 20 years ago, no one thought podcasts were ever going to be a thing. And now they're just a booming business, especially for former players. It's interesting because they weren't really on the team that long. Like Darius Miles wasn't on the team that long, but he's had such a like cult following cemented from his time on the team. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, right? Like from that regard, like they weren't Clippers for a sustainable period of time but they left an indelible mark on a fan base by just being fun. It seems like in the long, in like the long term, people are going to have more of a cult following for them than they would for like Deandre Jordan. Yeah, I can, I, I can, yeah, yeah, I can, I can buy into that. Which is so bizarre. Cause DJ holds so many records and DJ is the longest tenured clipper ever. And it's, it's weird that, that that's how it's going to be. Okay. So Paul George was on the knuckleheads podcast. He talked a little bit about uh, his pre-draft workouts. He ends up talking about how Indiana, like he was pushing Indiana for a trade of a what he called uh, the best power forward at the time. His, the key phrase in that was at the time, which we'll get into that in a second. Um, he talks about the situation with the Clippers right now. He talked a little bit about Steve Ballmer. But I do want to talk about something that I found rather interesting. First off, for those who don't know, Paul George grew up a Clippers fan. He was also a Kobe Bryant fan. I understand people hear him say he's a, he was a Kobe Bryant fan. I think he was a Laker fan, but he said he wasn't. He was just a Clipper fan. Branching from that, though, I want to talk about this. I talked to him on Twitter before he was drafted. So obviously this is a long time ago. And he's, he said the Clippers were one of his preferred destinations. Or he wanted to play with Danny Granger. Well, he got option number two. Because the Clippers passed on him and selected Alpha Rucamino in the draft. He said that this is his exact quote on the Knuckleheads podcast. Quote, I thought I had a pretty good workout that workout. So I'm like, all right, cool. I should be cool in that area. Talking about the fourth to eighth range, which is where the Clippers were. Clippers end up picking Alpha Rucamino. Paul George goes to Indiana and gets his dream to play with Danny Granger. Um... He ends up coming to the Clippers via trade from the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was a slew of picks. Shea Gildas Alexander, Danilo Gallinari. He did say, and this was an interesting quote, quote, it's been great. I feel like everything aligned at the right time. 
Year 10 for me, I'm playing with a Hall of Fame coach. I'm playing with a Hall of Fame player, multiple multiple of them. Man, you could have a case for Lou being a Hall of Fame player too with his career. I just feel like everything lined up. I'm back at home. It's easy on my mom, my parents. I just feel like everything was positioned where it was supposed to be for year 10 for me. That sounds like a guy who is completely at ease with where he is in his life. Oh, yeah. I think he's just... It's it's the little things you can see it. Like, literally every interview you see of him, he's wearing a Clipper sweater or a Clipper hat. Like, I don't... I think Paul George has worn more Clipper gear the last year than Clipper fans have worn in the last year. I'm pretty sure he has more than I've ever owned or other fans have owned, probably. Like, I don't think I've seen an interview of him not in Clipper gear outside of, like, Staples Center. In the Kevin Hart thing, he's in Clipper gear. Like, anytime I picture him, he's got a hat or a, a sweater or a jersey on. So he goes on to say uh, in here, he talks a little bit about Steve Ballmer. Uh, here's another quote from him. This is about Steve Ballmer. Quote, he's always a part of us. After game, he waits in the after games, he waits in the hallway. When we finish our games, he high fives us. We feel like he's a part of us. He's not the owner. He's a part of this team. So it's a real joy to go out and want to play for him. You know what I mean? Want to do well for him. Want to bring a championship to him because of everything that he's done for us and how much he's involved. So I don't want to praise Steve Ballmer too much here, but this is a good look for an owner that players actually enjoy playing on his team because of how involved he happens to be. I don't want to praise Steve Ballmer too much here, but he is the greatest. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the reason I don't want to praise him is because it's something we'll get into in a minute, but but go ahead. No, sorry. I was just, uh, I mean, it's the exact opposite of Donald Sterling. Like, Barry yeah, David it's, hated. It's, it's like the alternate reality version, right? Yeah, it's like the, the not evil twin. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it is, yeah. Um, in the Knuckleheads podcast, he also mentioned something during his time with the Indiana Pacers. He talks about the summer of 2017 that where he was doing something. I forget what he said he was doing, but th- this is, this is the quote. I ain't going to say the names because I'm going to keep their business private. I'm just saying it like this. I had at the time, the best power forward saying he wanted to come to Indy and team up with me. They like we're a mid major. We're a small market. We can't do it. We're a small market. We can't afford that. So my thing to you, and a lot of people have speculated. Some people think it's Anthony Davis. I don't think it's Anthony Davis. But who would you think it's that Paul George is talking about there? It would have to be Blake if it's the best power forward because Blake was like the guy. Okay, so my working theory is it, is it was LaMarcus Aldridge because that summer, Aldridge requested a trade from the Spurs. And... I do know there is a contingent of NBA players that views LaMarcus Aldridge in an extraordinarily positive light as a player and a power forward. Now, could it be Blake Griffin? Absolutely. But he was also injured at the time. So I don't know. Uh, Anthony Davis does make some sense consider obviously he gets traded like two years later and you know, he, he had a case for being the best power forward at the time. I lean more towards Aldridge me personally. Yeah, I just I've never considered Lamarcus Aldridge the best power forward in the NBA. It's like I don't either. Duncan, there was Blake Griffin, Anthony Davis. Like I don't think I've ever I've I've considered him like the best player in the playoffs one time when he was like on super automatic mode with the Blazers. I'm curious though because 
You know, there, there's like certain things in this. He goes on to say that like uh, Indiana was trying to sign uh, a quote injured power forward that was like a top twenty, top twenty five guy. Some people said that's Blake. I kind of think it's either Paul Millsap or Danilo Gallinari. But either way, it's it's rather interesting when you really think about like he he was saying all these things and you know the quote the best power forward at the time wanted to play with me, but. You know, it didn't happen. That ultimately is what showed Paul that he just, it wasn't going to work out in Indiana anymore. That was basically the straw that broke the back for him. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he keeps being really coy when he talks about Indiana. He keeps saying, like, instead of just saying, we were trying to get Anthony Davis, he'll say, like, we're trying to get the best power forward ever. Or at the time, or like that other time he was in Indiana earlier in the season, he'll be like, I promise you, I wasn't the bad guy here. I promise you there's a full story. Like, just say it at this point. Like, you're going to keep being coy about it. Like, when are you just going to say it? I don't think he wants to be the bad guy. Like, and most people don't. And I kind of just wish people would stop asking him about it because you, like I, I get, I've gotten kind of annoyed. Like, I hate hearing about it because it's done and dusted. Like, you don't got to talk about it no more. It's over. Well, they, and, they keep about it because he keeps not playing it straight. He keeps saying like, yeah, he keeps giving dodgy answers because he's like, I promise you, you'll learn down the line. Like they're the ones you should be booing. And like, you can't make that statement and then like not talk about it a year later or two years later. Like you're going to keep getting asked about it over and over until you just like put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. I want to ask him if he's writing a book and that's why he hasn't said. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a PR conscious guy. Now, the last bit of news, and this is why I said I want to give Steve Ballmer too much credit, um, which I know sounds weird on a podcast where we talk about the Clippers all the time. I do want to talk about something in particular, but here, and here it is. Last Wednesday, uh, the Inglewood Planning Commission met. During the middle of the COVID-19 global pandemic, their meeting took place from 7 p.m. to 9.45 p.m. I'm going to repeat that again, just so people understand. From 7 p.m. to 9.45 p.m. on a Wednesday evening during the middle of a global pandemic, the Inglewood Planning Commission met to vote for approval of the Los Angeles Clippers' plans to build the Inglewood Basketball and Entertainment Center at 9.45 in the middle of a global pandemic on a Wednesday. Not the best time to be doing that. The three commissioners and one chairperson approved by a vote of four to nothing every motion from motion Uh, 5A through 5F. It's a hurdle that Murphy's Bowl LLC, which is owned by Steve Ballmer, uh, who, I don't know if people know this, is the owner slash governor of the Los Angeles Clippers. And it pushed the arena project to the city council for them to vote on. This does not mean it has approval to be built yet. It is just one step in a uh, litany of steps on a staircase that the Clippers have, the Clippers and Steve Ballmer and Murphy's Bowl LLC have to navigate and get up. Prior to the vote, I do want to say this: prior to the vote, Murphy's Bowl LLC presented their case. It was it was very excellent. It's it's a it was a comprehensive review. It detailed three years of public input, their plans for community outreach. Uh, the money that they're giving to the community, which it was like an absurd amount that no other arena project in the history of the United States has ever done or North America, I believe they stated. Uh, it was the environmental impact report. Um, several callers chimed in with support. Most of them were local business owners. 
I do want to focus in on the 11th caller, though, because most people, like I said, because it was 945 on a Wednesday evening during the middle of a pandemic, probably did not tune in to a Facebook watch live stream thing, whatever you want to call it, of an Inglewood Planning Commission. The 11th caller was a lady who was not in not, I repeat, not in support of the project. And she brought up a phrase that ultimately marred, in my opinion, what should have been an otherwise jovial decision for the Clippers and their fans. The phrase is two words long. It is not foreign to the city of Los Angeles or Los Angeles County or the people that live there. The phrase is eminent domain. For those who do not remember, the Los Angeles Dodgers, when they moved to Dodger Stadium to get Dodger Stadium built, used it to clear out Chavez Ravine and the residents who live there in order to build the stadium. In the Clippers case, and I do want to stress this, in the Clippers case, there are no residents. It is being used to rezone commercial buildings as industrial buildings so they can do whatever they please with them. Now, like I said, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And ultimately, it's it's not. like It's not like you're kicking people out of their homes, but you are kicking them out of their businesses to some degree. Balmer is valued right now, according to Forbes magazine, at $70.4 billion. He's like got Dr. Evil money. $100 yeah, yeah. billion. Yeah, you're not wrong. Now... He has talked about wanting to do this the right way. This is why they went with the environmental stuff. And like, they talk about how they're going to be like net carbon neutral, like all this stuff. Right. However, the eminent domain to me, in my opinion, appears to kind of fly, fly in that line of thought. And just further extrapolate on this, the Twitter account, two urban girls who were covering the meeting as well. The fourth district in Inglewood, which is where the new development area would be built, had no representation at the vote. I view that as a slap in the face. So at the end of the day, Bomber and the Clippers got what they wanted. They cleared another hurdle. There's no telling what's going to happen to the business owners, but this is going through the city council for further voting. So the Clippers have cleared the first hurdle, but there is something that the 11th caller, the lady said that kind of sticks with me. Like even now, here's the quote. Transparency is not what this planning commission, if they pass this tonight is about. And in doing so, Maybe because it passed, transparency went along with it. Only time will tell. But to me, time, as we found out from this, didn't really matter when you're passing a vote and taking a vote at 9.45 p.m. on a Wednesday night during the middle of a pandemic. And yeah, I don't mean to get high and mighty on this, but I found that to be frankly quite annoying. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still business. So, like, he's going to be as nice as possible about everything else. But at the end of the day, he's going to be the guy that's like, F you, I'm going to get what I want. And, like, it almost kind of reminds me of, like, like it's like when you hear Michael Jordan go, and I took and I took it personally. And the moment he took it personally, he's like, screw you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want. And it's like, as nice of a guy as he is, and he can be 90... 90% nice. You know, he could pay for all the staff. He could pay for everything. You always got to remember there's like a good chunk of percentage that's business where it's like, you're not going to be in my way and I'm going to be cutthroat. You are absolutely correct. I think that's the one thing people have to keep in mind with just billionaires in general, right? Is they didn't get to be billionaires by being the nicest person in the room. Yeah. I mean, and as far as billionaires go, 
I think there's a, every single one of them has a percentage in the I'm going to be a dick portion or I'm going to be cutthroat portion. But the percentage of that and the percentage of being nice is, isn't the same. And like, granted, it's not like ethical to do his planning in the way that he did. I, it's like at the same time, it's like he did X, Y, Z, 80 other things during this whole pandemic that not a other, no other owner did. Like how many things did you see the Lakers do? Like nothing. How many things that have we seen the Rockets do like negative? They've just been hurting things. The Knicks didn't even want to pay the forum employees. Like it's just, there's just so much worse out there. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds weird because I basically, I did, I crapped on him a little bit and that's, I think I have the right to do that. I'm just going to say that I, I don't think I have to pull punches just because he owns the team I like. I just, I can recognize that he can be a dick because he got to where he is in his, in life. And I don't think it's right. But what I think ultimately doesn't matter in terms of what's going to get done. And at least on the surface, this vote pushed it through to the city council and they cleared that hurdle. Now it's onto the city council. If that clears, they're probably just going to start building soon. And depending on what happens with the pandemic, who knows when that building might start. There's a, there's a quote wrestlers would always say, and I think it applies in a much broader and grander scheme when it comes to billionaires, where they would say, are you here to make money? Or are you here to make friends? And so that's, that's what you always got to remember is like, if somebody's making that much money, that means they're here to make money. They're not here to make friends. And they've done it to a degree that only like a 1% or 0.1% of the world's population has done. Yeah. I mean, look, you're not wrong. Um, it'll just be interesting to see when the city council is going to vote, when they might start uh, breaking ground. And just, you know, this whole thing, the pandemic, what it did is it threw a, it threw a wrench, not only into just what's happened, what was taking place at the time, but also future plans. I could screwed up the Olympics and pushed it back at least a year. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with certain other projects, especially the Clippers arena project, which they were slated to start breaking ground in 2021 if everything went through, but who knows based on everything taking place, like they might have to push that back. As long as they don't delay WrestleMania in Los Angeles next year, I will lose my if if we're not okay by WrestleMania next year. Buddy, I've lost my plenty of times over the last week or so, so I'm already with you. Oh man, I need that. I need that WrestleMania in Los Angeles. We need something. That's all I. That's all I know. We need something. Uh, you got anything else? You good? Nut cutting time. It's always not cutting time, baby. I've been Justin Russo. Farbot S. Nishari. We'll catch you guys later. Everyone stay safe. Stay happy. Stay merry. Look after your family. Call your friends and relatives. Tell them you're thinking about them. Social distance. Wear your mask in public. Everybody be good. We'll see you guys next week. Later.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.